Who's enjoying church this morning? Well, I know we've got a lot of people here who are uh, visiting with us today, and we want to give you a really, really big welcome. I know Trent and Trina are here, so that's great to have them. We've got Jeff and Sue from Alliston here this morning. There's lots and lots of people. If I've missed you, we've got Michael's mum and dad here. I think the first time I've seen them here in church with us, so it's fantastic to have them as well. That's uh, Pastor Michael, we should say, while we're in church, but uh, so um, you have raised a mighty fine son, so... He makes me feel like a Christian when I hang around him, so that's good. So this morning, uh, I want to continue on our series on being free. Um, so if you are visiting with us, this morning's session, if you uh, get on our podcast, you can listen to some of the other uh, in this series and it'll start to make more sense to you. But uh, one of the things I just want to mention before we go on is the ACC churches around Australia are calling for a National Day of Prayer on September the 12th, National Day of Prayer and Fasting, and we're going to get on board with that. That uh, It's a Tuesday night, we're going to be here at 7pm to join together to pray with all the other churches right around Australia, uh, particularly because of the, 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 the issues the church is facing uh, in Australia today with uh, um, you know, the, the uh, gay marriage debate and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we just need to know what we believe, and we need to stand for what God says and we want to always uh, remind ourselves we don't hate, we don't condemn, but we need to, we do, we need to make a stand because these, these things are the first shot in eroding our rights as believers to, to believe what we believe and, and, and live as we want to live as Christians. So uh, we need to understand that that is what is at stake. So um, we're going to pray together as, as uh, ACC churches on that day. So if you're here with us, um, uh, part of our church, I uh, just encourage you to come along that night and we're just going to have a good, uh, a good time of prayer here, but we're combining with every other church all around the nation, which will be fantastic. So who's excited? Yeah. All right, also we have our One Priority Month, um, which I just want to encourage you. We set a target this year uh, among the business team about uh, what we wanted to see come uh, in and uh, I've got to say uh, we're not there yet. But uh, I'm believing that God is going to stir people's hearts to join with us to um, fund God's house. And who likes what we see outside already with a veranda? Um, it's specially built, specially designed for gophers to park. So it's uh, good for that. So uh, if it's not relevant to you, wait another 35, 40 years and it will be. So, <clears throat> so I want to speak this morning on... on uh, Part three of Mary's seven demons. I know it's not a real good thing. Just before we go on, um, I want to say that the most important thing when we're talking about spirits, demons, and evil spirits and all that is we have a greater power, which is the Holy Spirit. And I want us to say, let's be filled with the Spirit. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, not have room for any other uh, visitors that we don't want in our life. Um, but when I think of Mary, if we just refer to Mark chapter 16, verse 9, I didn't bring my clicker up here, so you can do it for me today. Thanks, Karen. Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 9, it says, uh, After Jesus rose from the dead, early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. And, and I was sharing in the prayer meeting before church this morning, it's, it's like... Um, I, I, I don't know, but if I was a producer of a movie, which I probably will be one day, I, I, I want to do it. Uh, 
I would, I would cast her as this mad, crazy woman with, you know, uh, like crazy hair and, and, and mad woman's breakfast and all that stuff. And by the way, if you want to know what mad's woman, a mad woman's breakfast looks like, it's called muesli. And <laughs> true. <clears throat> so we think of this crazy, lunatic woman like frothing at the mouth. That's what I, I would imagine. But you know something? When we, when we actually really understand spiritual forces, you know, demonic things, they can be very sophisticated, very smooth, very sharp, and nothing at all like what our stereotype may think. So we've got to understand this. Uh, and, and what we're talking about this morning when we talk about these issues is, is we're talking about spiritual things that affect our lifestyle. And sometimes in our world, we don't really give the right weight to those things. And we think, well, that's just how I am. I just fly off the handle sometimes. I, I just, I just uh, um, uh, you know, a little bit, little bit out there in certain things, but, but that's just me. But you know, sometimes the root behind you know, some behaviours has a spiritual connection that we need to identify and root out. Is that too deep for us all today, this morning? I still got you? All right, good. So what we know about Mary, she was a follower of Jesus who had been set free from seven oppressive spirits. Um, and Jesus dealt with every single one of them. Um, the first person to see the resurrected Jesus was Mary, possibly one of the most messed up people who ever met Jesus. But her life was made whole and set free by knowing Jesus. And I want to say today, right from the start, that's what Jesus wants to do in people's lives today and until he comes again. So uh, just for illustration purposes this morning, um, Mary's seven demons could have looked like this. I don't have a biblical uh, record of these, but you, you can just put up that slide there. Thanks, Karen. So, and we've covered the, some of these already. Pride and offense, they go together. Um, we've already looked at If you want to listen to that, you can get it on our podcast. Rejection is, a, is another thing that... I'm not talking about the, the subtle feelings now and then of, oh, well, I feel a little bit rejected today or I feel a bit prideful. It's talking about a, a, a foundational... A thing in your life that controls everything that you do. Today's one is insecurity. Um, number four is fear. Five is eight, anger and hate. Number six, bitterness and depression. And number seven is a wild card, whatever else you want it to be. And if you have really good eyesight, you can see my disclaimer at the bottom, which I won't read out. People are thinking, what? So I'll launch today by qualifying Jesus has all authority over every oppressive spirit. And I'm not saying, I've just, I've just put those seven in just for illustration purposes only, but I think they're valid for us to identify as some foundational things that we, that we need to deal with if we're going to be set free in 2017. So uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 39 tells us that Jesus cast out demons. Um, Mark chapter 3, verse 15 says, Jesus gave authority to his disciples to cast out demons. So uh, demons are a very real part of our spiritual experience and it's something that we need to know how to handle and how to deal with in a, an appropriate way. Now, I don't want us to go around thinking, well, we're going to find a demon in everything. The flat tire in your car is not a demon. That's called a breakdown. That's called a mechanical failure. So uh, if, 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 you, 
if you waste your money spending it on, on hamburgers at McDonald's and, and other things and say, well, I don't know where all my money's gone. That's not a demon. That's because you were unwise with your money. So, so some things we need to recognize what is spiritual and what's not. And hopefully today some of these things will, will make more sense. But Jesus has given the church, us, the work and authority of his name today over demonic strongholds. We have authority. Punch the person next to you and tell them they've got authority, just lightly. <laughs> so, so this morning, we're looking at, at the, the third our third demon, so to speak, and it's insecurity. So insecurity defined is uncertainty or anxiety about oneself, a lack of confidence. So in context of, of our messages, this is not about the odd feeling of uncertainty or, or anxiety or lack of confidence that you might get from time to time. Most people have a dose of insecurity and I think sometimes we need it. Because, you, you know, you see some people in life and you think, heck, they're just way too confident. They're just like, whoa. They all live on the Gold Coast. <laughs> but what this is about is when, when our relationships and our decisions are totally clouded and affected by insecurity. Um, it's a spiritual force that shirt fronts our confidence and replaces it with suspicion of others. And that suspicion turns to fear and weird behavior. So we're always thinking, second guessing, what are they thinking about me? Uh, well, why did they say that? Because it's an insecurity that, that is, is fed by a spirit that says, see, they're talking about you again. So why, why did they do that? Why, why, have they, why have they done that? Why, why do they do that in church even? And we have all these suspicions about other people. So the spirit, this spirit of insecurity thrives on promoting untrue perspectives of God's relationship with us. So he loves to try and distort God's perspective in your life. So when you think, well, he's got a good father, you think, oh, but he can't love me because I've been too, I've been too bad. Because he, he can't love me because I'm not smart enough. Or he can't love me because of whatever. And he loves to distort uh, the relationship that God has with us. So when insecurity takes over, it affects relations with others. It's, uh, it is possessive of positions, like titles and things like that. And possessions is jealous and fears losing status. These are some of the identifying things that we can analyze ourselves if insecurity has, has a, a, a stronghold or a root in our life. So we're going to look at um, one character in the Bible called Saul. And uh, Saul is an is a example to us of someone who never got over insecurity. And it's really, really sad. So um, let's see, where should we start? Um, before he, he became a king of Israel. And before he became king, before he was a, appointed king over Israel, he was already an insecure person. We know that because uh, Samuel, the prophet um, and the priest, he had anointed 
Saul to be the ruler of Israel. You can turn your Bibles and look this up for yourself. 1 Samuel 10 verse 1, um, it, it says that, that Samuel uh, found Saul and anointed him to be the king. But he was basically, it would just be like he's a, he's a young guy minding his own business. He was actually searching for his lost donkeys and, and uh, he, finds him play, he, he finds himself um, in front of Samuel, who, who is this amazing prophet of God, and Samuel says, well, you're the man that God told me he's going to come today, pours oil on him, anoints him, and says, you're going to be the king. So you know, if, if I were to select someone here today and say, this is going to be your future, and, and uh, this is what you're called to do, then you think, well, hey, I've already been tipped off. So Saul's already in this, in this place. He's got this uh, forward information of what the future holds for him. Who would like to know that? So 1 Samuel 10, verses 21 and 23. Samuel calls everyone together because he's thinking, well, I found the man who's going to be the king, the answer. And then it says, then everyone in Israel was called together to appoint the king of which, uh, sorry, now this is me speaking, of which Saul already knew it was going to be him. The only problem is Samuel calls everyone together, blows a trumpet, come to this place, everyone's invited, we're going we're gonna to have a big celebration and I'm going to announce the king. And so everyone says, who's going to be the king? We're going to find out who the king's going to be. Uh, and, and the only problem is, where's Saul? Because Saul was hiding. He wasn't there. And that, that reveals a part of his character which was insecurity. So um, insecurity had Saul hiding among the baggage. And it says about him, he stood head and shoulders above anybody else. So you see, he, he, had, a, he had a physique not unlike mine. Tall, giant of a man. I'll, I'll grow up one day. So that's what, that's what he was like before he became king. Insecurity already had some kind of a hold on his personality. 1 Samuel 15 verse 17, it tells us this. And Samuel told him, this is later on, he's been king now for, for a long time. Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. Now the lesson that we see by these two, two little bits of scripture about Saul is insecurity went with him. Insecurity was with him before he was king and when he became king, insecurity went with him into that role. So what we don't, um, what we don't confront and deal with will follow us will go with us, no matter what title we get, no matter how high we might go, no matter what position we hold, if we don't deal with some of these root issues in our life that, that uh, uh, manipulate our thinking, then we'll find that those things will go with us wherever we are. Insecurity went with Saul. So he started out insecure and he was insecure as king. So Samuel the priest identifies Saul's insecurity. It may be possible to camouflage insecurity, but Samuel could see it and he called it. But the problem was Saul 
wouldn't confront it himself. And sometimes we, we can have those around us who, who either can see things or can't see things, but sometimes things get called out in our life. Who loves that? Like, yeah, let's go to the dentist. It's like, you don't like it when someone says, hey, you know what? And, and, and one of the hardest things as, as a leader, as a pastor, is when people say, you know what? Here's your weakness. This is what you need to work on. I, I hate that. I, I say, thanks very much. Let me punch you in the teeth. You go to the dentist. No, I'm just joking. But you know, some, some of those things, some of those things can confront us at our, at our, at our very core level. And, and, and we want to think, we want everyone to see that we're in control. We want everyone to see that, that we've got it together. We want everyone to, to, to think that we're, we're the answer. And I think that's where Saul lived. He wanted everyone to see him as having it together. He wanted people to see him as being in control. And reality was he was not in control of, of a very foundational element of his life. And that was insecurity. Insecurity called, uh, caused him to be fearful of others. Like he's the man throwing spears at David. He's the man making silly rules when they go to war about things because it makes him feel better. If you read the, the life of him, in, in 1 Samuel, you'll read all about Saul and some of these just subtle little things, decisions that he made. You think, why would he say that? Why would he do that? Because at the foundation level of his thinking is he's insecure and he's trying to make himself seem more important by these little things that he does. So 1 Samuel 15 verses 18 and 19 tells us this. And the Lord said, uh, this is Samuel speaking to Saul again, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the Amalekites until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Now the answer, why? What, Saul's, uh, Samuel is asking Saul a question. Why didn't you obey what God told you to do? And uh, the answer is found in one word, insecurity. 1 Samuel 15 verse 24 tells us this. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. So here's a really important thing about insecurity. It breeds by trying to please the expectations of everyone. Trying to, trying to make everybody happy with, with what we're doing. So insecurity has a voice in your ear to keep you conformed to everybody else's opinion. And so we think, well, I, I, want, to, I want to keep everyone happy. And sometimes we reserve our, our view, reserve our, our discussion after we've heard everyone else's. Then think, well, I'll just be safe and slip in to what they all think. I went to Navigator College in the first year I was here. And I was a new pastor in, in town and they invited all the pastors to, to teach in a class about uh, Christian studies. And, and I thought, well, I'm new, I'll, I'll go along, this will be good, I'll meet some people. And I thought, I'll just sit there and I'll say nothing because I'm the new pastor and, and no one will know who I am. And I thought, I'll be safe because I'll speak last. So if I say, if, if I know what they think, then I won't offend anybody. And, and of course, I'm sitting there minding my own business and they said, oh, well, uh, Pastor Rob, would you come and chat? I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do it. That's not part of my plan. I won't know what you're thinking. And so I went, so I had to talk about baptism, salvation, and all these things. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, I've really given it the Pentecostal distinctive here. 
hope they agree with me. And then, and then I finished and I sat down and, and Father Brian, if any of you know him, he, he's not here anymore. He's from the Catholic Church. I sat down next to him and he goes, have a look at this. And he's, he's a cheater. He had this Catholic book and had everything that I just said was in the Catholic manual. <laughs> even, even water baptism in full immersion was even there. I was like, there you go. But there was someone else who got up and, and, and had a different opinion, but it didn't matter anymore. <clears throat> But insecurity breeds by trying to please the expectations of everyone. And sometimes we don't, we don't match those things together. And I'm not saying, again, I need to really remind you here. We're not saying that if you sometimes feel a bit insecure, sometimes feel a little bit uh, threatened by stuff, that that's a spiritual thing. Because we all have a little bit of a, a little dose of that. But I'm talking about these things where, where we're thinking, well, I, I don't want to step into things. Because I'm insecure. And sometimes insecurity says, well, just hold back. Just stay it. Don't take any responsibility. Because what, what's going to happen if, if you fall flat on your face? Everyone will laugh at you. Everyone will think you fail. That's insecurity. But when that, that level of insecurity comes on you and you, you are uh, technically paralyzed from doing anything, then you know it's something beyond just a little part of your life. It's a controlling spirit. So... Saul as king had a call of God to lead the people of Israel. Insecurity caused him to fear the people more than listen to the call of God. And we need to be, we need to be reminding ourselves, God, what's your call for my life? And you might be thinking, oh, I don't know if I've ever been called. You know, I, I want to encourage you to acquaint yourself with your Bible. And, and rule number one, get a Bible you understand. No use reading a Bible where you think, what are these words? I can't understand what that even means. Now, that, would be, that would be really hard. But find a Bible that, that you think, hey, you know what? This, this, this Bible is easy for me to read. I can understand it. And, and, and get in the habit of saying, God, will you speak to me in your word? And you know something? You might not see anything the first day. You might not see anything the second day. You might not see anything. One of the things that I love about the Word of God is there's a story in the story that is, that is not seen in the story until the revelation of the Holy Spirit goes, boom, Pandora's box, of whatever that means. That's a cool word, is it? Is that a good thing? But it's like a treasure chest. That's better. There's a treasure chest of stuff in there, of spiritual, spiritual truth. And when you, start to, when you start to let that in, infiltrate into your spirit, you, you know, some of those things like, like the, the insecurities start to get less of a hold. Some of the fears start to get less of a hold. Some of the, the, the paranoid thinking we have about others starts to, starts to diminish because we're starting to see ourselves according to the call of God. So every one of us, even if, if you're a believer or not, will have to face the insecurity challenge. I believe every Christian will face the insecurity challenge. What we don't want is that challenge becoming a stranglehold on our confidence, on what God is wanting us to do. Sometimes whole churches can have a spirit of insecurity. And so, you know, honestly, churches with a spirit of insecurity, they're, they're always comparing themselves with every other church. 
oh, we, 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 we do things better. I need to really remind everybody we're not better than any other church. We don't have a greater revelation than any other church. We're just being faithful to what God's called us to do. That's all we ever have to do. You, you as an individual, you're not better than others. You're not smarter than others. You're not richer than others. Or maybe you are. But you know what? You, you just have to be faithful to what God's called you to do in your life. So, so insecurity has another trap that keeps you comparing. Oh, they got a better car. But hey, missus, we need to get another car. Not looking at anyone. It's not fair when you get a Hyundai and someone else comes home with a Range Rover. Not looking at anywhere. I believe Hyundai means Rolls Royce in, in Korean. Pastor Paul de Jong, he's a, he's a pastor from New Zealand. He's written a really good book called Isolating Insecurity. I'm going to give you a couple of highlights from, from what he says about insecurity. Insecurity resists the acceptance of wise counsel. I'll just go back to King Saul. When Samuel confronted him and said, you know, you, you, you've got this insecurity, he resisted the counsel of a wise man. He also says this, insecurity teaches us to live defensively. Always got the walls up, always got a barrier between ourselves and others. Insecurity destroys potential by isolating you. And sometimes we think the situation is, I'm isolated, but the root cause of that isolation is because we've been so insecure, we've, we've cut ourselves off from the relationships and the, and the, the networks that we need to, to be healthy. He also writes this wisdom to shake off insecurity. Personal responsibility, sorry, personal responsibility gives insecurity little room to move. I'll say that again. Personal responsibility gives insecurity little room to move. So insecurity has multiple manifestations and covers opposite extremes which I find is really, really amazing. Overcompensation, exaggerated enthusiasm, uh, being loud and out there can be a mask of insecurity. That's, that's like way off in an, in an extreme. Uh, bursts of anger and rage can be extremes of insecurity. You know, I, I spend a lot of time on building sites. I'm a, I'm a construction worker by, by instinct couldn't think of the right word but you know we, we used to have personalities there and they're, they're like anything happens they're like they, they they're gonna they're gonna bite someone's face off but you know what when, when you really get to know that person they're so they're so weak and so timid and so they're, they're doing all that to say don't really come too close and see who i really am because I don't want to reveal too much of myself, but, but it's, a, it's an extreme of insecurity. There's also another extreme. The other, the other extreme end is being reserved, not confident, uncertain, holding back, living in isolation. 
maybe they'd be our more typical signs of insecurity. And so we think, oh, you know, I just haven't got confidence. I, I could never do that. I just don't want to try. That, that's another extreme. And we, we need to recognize that, that this insecurity thing has a wide-ranging reach with many extremes. But a spirit of insecurity would have you comparing yourself and what you have in an unhealthy way to everyone else. When insecurity tries to attach itself to you, I'm going to give you a few things that you can do so that you can shake free. In 2017, our theme in this church is we want to be free. We want to be free from every encumbrance. We want to be free from every every, uh, uh, stoppage point from us achieving everything that God wants us to do as individuals and as the church. So the first thing you need, number one, you've got to remind yourself of God's call and be secure in that. Again, I, I, I think I say this all the time, you need to know your word. You need to know what the Bible says and make it apply to your life. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes, and I, I mean, I've done, I've done it, I still do sometimes, I read my Bible and say, gee, I wish Carlos had seen that. I wish so-and-so just saw that. And, and the other thing, when you hear the word of God in church, I used to sit there in church thinking, oh, yeah, I wish she'd hear that. I hope they're listening. And they're thinking probably the same about others. Ephesians 4 verse 1 about getting the word. If you think, well, I don't know if I've been called by God, this and this. Write this somewhere and remember it. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, lead a life worthy of your call. Because you have been called by God. Poke someone in the eye and say, you have been called by God. And what God calls you to, he will grace you for. God will give you a grace for what he's calling you to. That means the ability, the divine divine strength, power to do what he wants you to do with your life. And it's a great thing. There is no one who can compete you out of anything from God. So some people are insecure, thinking, oh, you know, I missed my chance because they didn't, they didn't ask me to be the worship leader. I'm still spewing about that. Some people are thinking, well, they didn't ask me to join, to, to, to join this team or to, to be on that. And, and I missed out on that opportunity, that, that opportunity or whatever else. There's no one who can compete you out of anything from God but you. And it's pretty sad when you're the only runner in the race and you're still lost. That is really sad. So you need to say insecurity. Say to yourself, maybe don't do it here because someone might notice you say it. But you say, insecurity, get off me. Insecurity, you're not part of me. Because what God has for me, because I've been called by God, because Ephesians 4 verse 1 is a word for me. I've got to live a life worthy of my call because I'm called of God. I've got a purpose. Second thing, stay connected to those who can help you in your walk. Being part of a church and being accountable to your church and to your church 
leaders, your pastors or, or whoever you have in, in, in church is really important. Again, going back to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Why does it say that? Because it's really, really important. You go back to Ecclesiastes and it says that, that uh, two people fighting back to back, three is even better. It's really, really important that we learn to understand who's on our side. Because I tell you something, we've got a whole, a whole world out there who's not on our side. And we have a responsibility as believers. If you're, a, if you're a Christian here today, you have a responsibility to others to say, you know what, I need to, I need to protect them. I need to help them. And I, I know the frustrations as a, as a minister when I was a, a youth pastor and, and, and you know, you got this group of kids and there's, you know, there's always some in the group who are, who are like, they're coming to the, to the youth group, but they're not fighting with us, they're fighting against us. And there's kids coming to the youth group, their introduction to, 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 to smoke and dope is through the youth group great witness, great testimony, great experience. It's not a testimony, that's a mockery. But you know, and I, and, and I used to get kids and I'd say, I'd say, if you ever come back to this youth group, I'm going to punch your head in. With love. <laughs> I don't say that with, with a sense of pride, but a sense of frustration. Because you're thinking, they're not, they're not working with us, they're working against us, they're not helping people get better, they're they're helping people stumble and fall. So we don't want that. Make every effort to keep ourselves united. And when we hang the sign out front of our building that says one heart, that's just not a slogan or, 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 or a nice picture. It's, it's a purpose. It's a belonging that we need to say, Jesus, you've called me to have one heart so that we can defeat and pull down the enemy's strongholds. So when Jesus met Mary, going back right to our start, he met her in her broken state. And he healed her from every bondage. He cast out every evil spirit. And Jesus still does that for people today. Perhaps you need to accept Jesus in your life today and let Jesus set you free. Why don't we bow our heads and perhaps if we could stand this morning, just if you can stand with me, that would be, that'll be good. Now, I don't want to embarrass anyone here this morning. I don't want to, you know, um, cause offence either to, to anyone. But you know if you're here today and you're thinking, I really have, have this issue of insecurity. And, and I, I get threatened at work by, by other people. Because somehow I think if, if, if they know what I know, then, then I, I could be out of a job. That's insecurity. Perhaps you think, well, you know, in, in my marriage, I, 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 I kind of hold back with, with, with what I relate with my husband or my wife because if they really know what I think, then, then they're not going to love me. That's called insecurity. And when, when that, that starts to take a hold, then, then walls start to, to, to be built up and separation starts to develop. And that's never healthy. And that's called insecurity. So we're going to pray this morning. I want to pray for those who have struggled with insecurity. 
and whatever those symptoms may be that manifest in your world. And we're going to pray in the authority in the name of Jesus for people to be released and set free from insecurity today. But what I want you to do is you're going to call out, not, not verbally, you're going to call out in your, in your world, in your life, what's spiritual and what's been holding you and say, insecurity, you can go. Insecurity, I'm, I'm casting you out in the name of Jesus. So why don't we bow our heads and I'm going to pray right now. Lord Jesus, I pray. Lord, for anyone here today who has struggled with insecurity to a point of being unhealthy, of being a spiritual stronghold, and right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare, I speak over these people to be set free in the name of Jesus. I pray against the spirit of insecurity in whichever form that it has manifested itself in, in people's lives, that your power is broken, that your authority has been taken by the power and the blood of Jesus. You have no authority here in this place. And I say, Lord, set your people free. I pray right now in the authority and the name of Jesus Christ for every person who has ever been caught in the trap of insecurity to be released, set free, redeemed in Jesus' name. So Father, we just pray that we may walk free in 2017, that we may discover the, the subtle things in which the, the enemy has infiltrated our life. And Lord, I pray that people's eyes will be opened, that they can call the things themselves and say, I see that's a, that's a spiritual thing. I'm going to take control of that in the name of Jesus. So I thank you, Lord God, that you have a great purpose and a great plan for your church and for your people. And this we, we just confess in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.